We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I ventured in the slipstream. This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by RickRunGood.com. Golf season is now in full swing, and we are firing on all cylinders at RickRunGood.com. We will be talking to one of the best DraftKings players that I know coming up in just a few minutes. He uses RickRunGood.com, and it is an absolutely an essential community to be a part of if you expect to have any success, uh, hopefully as much success that my guest has. I will give you an example because my guest and I talk about this on the podcast. Minwoo Lee this week, if you only follow the PGA Tour, you're probably wondering to yourself, why is this guy 25 to 1? You pull up his stats page on a PGA Tour only website, and it's like, oh, looks like the last time he's played was the Open Championship. You try and plug him into a model, and he's terrible because the model is only accounting for PGA Tour data where he doesn't play much to any golf at all. But then you go to rickrungood.com, you pull up his stats page, and say, wow, Looks like he just finished T13 at the Dubai Desert Classic and gained 3.6 strokes on approach. Prior to that, oh wow, T2 at the Abu Dhabi Championship where he gained 3.1 strokes off the tee and 5.8 strokes on approach. Prior to that, third at the Australian Open, fourth at the Australian PGA. The guy has played 13 times since the Open Championship. Sometimes on the Corn Ferry Tour, sometimes on the Asian Tour, sometimes on the European Tour. And we have stats for every single one of those starts. And suddenly it's like, oh, wow, this seems like useful information. This seems like information that I would like to have. This seems like stuff that I should probably have in my model to, you know, create a real model that accounts for a player who is you know, in this case, guess what? Really freaking good. Uh, And golf, yes, in fact, is played outside of the United States. So for all of the Min Woo Lee stats that you could ever want, 
plus all of my premium articles, access to me for any questions that you might have in the Slack channel, head on over to rickrungood.com and sign up today using promo code Andy. There is a coupon code section uh, right there on the same page when you sign up. So just type in Andy right in there, and that is what you can do to help me out. It helps me out more than you know, and we would love to have you as part of the community. All right. Coming up on this podcast, Saul Goodman. Who is Saul Goodman? You might be asking. If you are not on Twitter, you're probably asking this question. If you are on Twitter, chances are you probably know who Saul Goodman is. Um, Saul Goodman is, of course, not his real name. That is just his alias. Uh, I will not be giving away his real name because he likes to keep it private. But he is a close personal friend. And while I know his real name, I still call him Saul Goodman myself. But anyway, uh, the reason why he's on the podcast is because for my money, he's one of the best DraftKings players in the world. Uh, This is a guy who has won over 200K twice this NFL season. He won 150K on the World Cup. Uh, He has three six-figure scores in the last three months. And we spend a lot of time talking about DraftKings golf. Um, But he is just straight up probably the best all-around DraftKings player I know because he wins at everything. NFL, soccer. MLB, golf, you name it. He has been at the top of the leaderboard. I love having people on like this far more than I enjoy talking with someone this week about whether I'd rather bet Denny McCarthy or Matt Kuchar. I just find it to be better, more genuine, more authentic, more different, more interesting content. So if you want my hashtag picks, For the Honda Classic, you can check out my Odds Checker video with Jeff Feinberg on the Odds Checker YouTube channel. You can check out my Golf Monthly article. You can check out my Tuesday betting preview with Rick on the 300 Yards to Unknown YouTube channel and podcast feed. You can check out my Experts Picks column in Golf Digest. There is no shortage of my opinions on the Honda Classic, but in this podcast... I sit down with one of the sharpest DraftKings players that I know, and we talk about Twitter. We talk about content. We talk about good content versus bad content. What makes good content? What makes bad content? We talk about Saul's weekly process. We talk about general DraftKings strategy. Uh, We talk about general DraftKings golf strategy. And pretty much everything in between. This is a loaded podcast uh, and a good one uh, with a very good friend. So we hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. And without further ado, let's bring on Saul. All right. Saul Goodman is here. Many of you know him as Saul Goodman on Twitter. I mean, I've played golf now with Saul probably what five, six times now between Beth page and at your spot. One thing I will tell you just to lead us off here is I will not be revealing his identity on this podcast. So this is Saul Goodman on Twitter. So what's your full Twitter handle? Saul Goodman DFS. 
Yeah, Saul Goodman DFS. Um, okay. Yeah, I think we've played. I think we've played golf probably four, five, six times. Um, I at my club a couple times and uh, played with Scumbag Kirshner at right. Uh, and I call Beth you Pave. Saul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, one of the things that about Kirshner is you know, oh, we we're, were you, right you, into well, it. <laughs> one of the things about Kirshner um, in the intro is. <laughs> well, you, you know, you, you brought up Beth Page, and you know, we we planned that the three of us were going to go play some golf at Beth Page, mm-hmm. and you and I wanted to play the black, and Kirshner bitched out and insisted on playing the red. Yeah, it's a huge question. Like, you know, and then you proceeded to hit like 14, 315 yard <laughs> perfect drives at the red course. And our match went down to 18, though. You yeah. blew your blew your drive all the way right and then hit the shot of your life to the fringe. And I had to open my it. wallet. Yeah. yeah. I had to open my wallet. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think you've ever beaten me in golf. Well, just what I, I mean, mean I, I just while just while just while we're on the topic, because I mean, you you started us here. I was going to start us up in a completely well, different place. But now that you got me going on this, I mean, well, I mean, as they say, you win and lose the match on the first tee. And, you know, I guess we're, I guess we're still saying you're a four, but, uh, you know, that's, that's it's a separate open, it's topic. Open I guess. To debate. Yeah. A yeah. true, as you would say, a true who can say situation say with your, situation. with your handicap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a sandbagger. Trust me. Kobe kicked my ass like at, at, at playing as a four. So I've had, and you know what? The other thing about Kirshner too, he, he has such a home field advantage at Beth Page when he plays the easy ones, like the not like the yellows. I'm not even talking red, yeah, because red's like a legit course. Black's obviously I have a huge edge on him at black, um, because you know that's where ball striking gets really separated. But yeah, and now if you, and get, to- if you get Kirshner on yellow, he's a fucking tough guy to beat on yellow. Yeah, and Kirshner, to be fair to Kirshner for once, he was, when we did go play Beth Page, he was a very gracious host, brought us into his home, brought us to the bagel spot for the bacon, egg, and cheese. We uh, forget what tournament was on. We were watching the beginning of a tournament. Yeah, it was the Scottish Open. I actually remember it because it was so early in the morning. Yeah, so, you know, Kirshner's a good dude. Had him over at our club, too. But yeah, I, I I would make a pace of play joke to excuse why I haven't beaten you yet, but I think we've covered that <laughs> ad nauseum already. So, well, our friendship almost ended over it the first time. So I think I'll leave it leave it off the table today. All right. Well, where I was going to basically start up start us off with is you are Saul Goodman on Twitter. So I think many of my listeners in uh, on the Twitter ecosystem. So like I'm. There are a lot of people that listen to my podcast that I don't think are on Twitter at all, but I would still say probably the vast majority of the people that listen to my podcast found my podcast through Twitter are aware of the golf Twitter ecosystem, and they're probably familiar with your work on Twitter as Saul Goodman DFS. You are one of the best DFS players I have ever met or know of and i want to talk to you a lot about dfs when 
you started playing DFS, why you started playing DFS. A lot of questions on that front, but I want to start with the Twitter front. So where where are you at these days on Twitter? What motivated you to make a Twitter account in the first place? Because you have a personality on Twitter that was like a decision. Like you made a decision that I am going to be this guy on Twitter. And I'm curious of how you got there and why you got there. Yeah. So I think probably it would start. So I played, you know, during, during college and after college, played a lot of online poker and posted on a message board that some people would be familiar with that are listening to this called two plus two poker forums. And a lot of a lot of guys that are in DFS now that are kind of my age, like mid thirties or around my age, will be familiar with two plus two. And you know, it's poker forum, but also there was like a, a high stakes uh gambling section and there's a sports section. And so I kind of developed a persona on there that I guess would be similar to the Saul Goodman persona, the Saul Goodman Twitter persona. Sort of just like kind of a dick mostly holding people accountable for saying stupid shit or talking out of both sides of their mouth, you know, and then sort of as DFS started to become a thing, kind of transferred from the online poker stuff over to a lot of DFS. Um, Still played a little bit of online stuff when DFS started, but mostly turned over to DFS. And so, you know, once, once that started, you know, when you play DFS, um, you get a lot of information from Twitter. You interact with some of the other players that are that are also playing DFS on Twitter. And so I guess most of the, you know, mindless day-to-day posting, I sort of also started posting a lot less on 2 plus 2 and, you know, just posting more on Twitter. And I guess that's how I would describe this Saul Goodman persona too. It's just kind of like, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, I think will know that, you know, I, I, oh, he's anti-tout, he's this and that, which I I don't begrudge anyone for making money doing a certain thing, you know, selling picks, having a a site where you sell subscriptions, all that stuff is, you know, make your, make your money. But there are certain things that a lot of these, let's say touts do that, you know, it just it just feels bad when you when you're looking at it. It's a little guys are, Yeah, it's disgusting. And you know, guys are, you know, uh, giving out their their core plays or whatever, or giving out picks, and then literally not playing DFS themselves. Um, not saying that they have to play twenty thousand dollars a night to make it uh, to make it make sense, but they should be putting their own money where where their picks are if they're going to sell them to other people. And so it kind of developed the the persona, I think developed in a way where I was sort of uh, sounds ridiculous, but sort of like defending the, the common person against the, the, against getting ripped off. Yeah. Right. And so like, you know, I'm not talking Robin hood or anything, but like more like that, where people, some people are afraid to, to speak up against, you know, like, certain guys or certain companies you can, you because they're name, so big. You can name names. Oh yeah. No, I, I mean want. I I don't yeah. I mean I was funny story. I was actually a Roto Grinders employee for about two weeks. I think I wrote a couple of NHL articles <laughs> for them for like 20 bucks each. 
<laughs> and then I just was like, I'm not, what is, what am I, why am I doing this? And no thanks. So um, I, I wasn't out for about two weeks. Yeah. So I, I guess that's how I would kind of sum it up where, you know, it's, it's, it is a persona, but I, I do feel pretty strongly that a lot of, uh, you know, and, and a lot of the touts and stuff that I have brought attention to, they, you know, they've either like changed lanes or disappeared or, you know, some of them just blocked me and I don't even know what they're doing, which is fine. Yeah. Um, also blocked by the DraftKings assist account, which is interesting. <laughs> um considering (laughs) considering the amount of money that i put in there on a daily weekly and monthly basis but yeah blocked by their customer service account too so yeah (laughs) um second question for you which is kind of piggybacking on the first one you keep your circle pretty tight which i do as well and what's funny to me is anybody that actually knows you personally and in terms of the twitter sphere it's a short list right like me wiley bear off kirshner i guess but i've said on this podcast multiple times and to other people that like if you actually know saul he's probably one of like the most kind and great human beings that you'll ever meet because i've definitely had i'm sure this doesn't surprise you people say to me like what the fuck is this guy's deal he's such an asshole does that bother you that people, um, I guess, perceive you in a certain way based on the way that you act on Twitter? Um, I, I wouldn't say that it bothers me. I mean, I think a lot of people are misunderstood or or something like misunderstood on Twitter or any other social media um, platform, but like you said, I, I do keep things pretty close to the vest for the most part. Um, you know, I have, I have made some, some pretty good friends through this DFS thing. Um, yeah. you know, and, and I count, you know, you and Wiley and, and bear off and, and slept, um, you know, as, as pretty close ones there. And then there's some other guys that I've gotten to know pretty well recently too. And they know, you know, they know what I'm about. They know that I'll, I'll help them out if they, if they need anything. And, I'm not super worried about what some fucking run pure sports fucking subscriber thinks about what I said about their fucking tout. Like, I, I don't care. That's fine. You guys can shit talk Saul Goodman all you want. That, that, that really doesn't bother me. By the way, just so people know, at one point, I was a victim of yours as well. And just to yeah. tell, just to tell the quick story, I honestly don't even, I don't even remember this, by the way. I do. So I'll, I'll I'll tell it. And it doesn't even paint you that much in a negative light, but it's a funny story where I hit JJ spawn at the Valero Texas open at 230 to one. And I tweeted like I was getting congratulations on the tweet. And I commented back to one of the people like, yeah, this is going to, help me pay for the trip to Ireland that I've that I have been planning. And you commented like the what the one dollar that you placed on 
uh, the one dollar that you place is going to help you pay for a trip to Ireland. And I kind of came back at you and showed you the receipt that I had placed more than one dollar. And, you know, I showed you you. Ruby was on this one, too, with you randomly, yeah. who's like uh, an yeah. actual not good person. That's, but that's he's, a tough, he, that's he, tough he, company. Yeah, he, he saw the opportunity that somebody else was going at me. So he tried to team up with you and then was later devastated to find out that we are friends but you know of course i because i had been friends with wiley for a while and been friends with bear off too and i messaged them and i was like what the fuck is this guy's deal like i don't get it at all and both of those guys replied the exact same thing like if you actually get to know him he's one of the best most genuine kindest guys you ever meet which turned out to be my experience with you as well but it's almost like i felt like i had to kind of because you ended up messaging me a couple weeks later and being like hey just want to let you know like i kind of checked out a little bit more of your stuff and like it it doesn't seem like you're one of the bad guys out there you know it seems like yeah you put out pretty genuine and thoughtful work and it, it's almost like you have to kind of earn your respect is that an accurate way of saying it yeah and and i also i, I will say too i think you know in the in the past that i've uh i i, I could have done better with kind of not, not unit shaming people for the most part you know, like the one dude. Um, I mean, the Chad Eckerd one dollar bet. Well, that's, that's what I'm talking game. about. That's yeah, fair like, game. Fuck it. Fuck <laughs> off. You're putting the house on something. Like, so I just, you know, he says he's putting the house on somebody, and then every week I send him like a a, a burning house gift or something or whatever, and yeah, whatever, fine. Putting a dollar on all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, as long as people are, and now here's what I'll say about that: if 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 you were charging, if you specifically were charging, like let's say 30 bucks a month for your golf picks yeah. and then you bet $5 on a bet. Like that would, that, that type of thing feels wrong to me. Like, yeah, you gotta be, there's gotta be a little bit of a better balance between what you're charging for your work and what you're actually putting, um, putting in. And, and so that's where, you know, like the, the run pure guys, like I actually like big T I don't know him personally, but I like him a lot. And I think he, he, has done some, some pretty good stuff for the industry in general, but you know, like selling a subscription and giving out cores and picks and stuff like that's fine. I mean, he, he plays, plays DFS and people want to know what he's, what he's playing each night. And he tells them for the most part where he's going and puts his money where his mouth is like guys like that. Um, you know, stochastic. I, I have a lot of respect for those guys. I've I've gotten to know the the ETR guys really well, um, and I subscribe there for NFL and for golf. Um, which is not cheap. Which is not later. cheap, by the way. Yeah, right. It'll get into that a little bit. I'm later, curious but, as yeah. I'm curious. Well, we can as get into why. it now. I mean, yeah. So what? No, what's no, no, your, no. Keep what's, keep 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 going with 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 the thought that you were on because I got a yeah, number of so, more DFS related and and content yeah. related questions for so you. So again, I. I, I I don't, I don't begrudge anyone for charging for information. That's that they're, they're going to make a living that way. That's fine. Just sort of feels like they should be putting up, um, putting some money where, where their mouth is, um, instead of just selling people picks that they don't. Cause if, I mean, in reality, if you, if you think the picks are as good as they 
are advertised to be, you should be making money with them too. Right. That would make sense. So that's just kind of where I am. And I, I, you know, I, again, I think it's one of these things where people are for whatever reason, afraid to speak up against like the hive mind just in general. But there was a lot of like shitty touting going on at like rotor grinders back in the day. And that's kind of where this started. So I just was like, no, this sucks. Like people are paying for it. You guys are giving shitty information. Like the, the another guy that's blocked me, fucking uh, Kevin Roth, the fucking uh, the weather guy, who was like what? marking. Yeah, dude. Like he's like the Roto Grinders weather guy for baseball. He just an insufferable jerk off, and like couldn't handle it when like he would he would say, oh well, you know this game's clear, and then it would fucking get rained out. People would complain. And then you'd be like, well, you know, the weather's the weather. Like, so it just shit like that is can't let's just let that slide. Um, people have to be held a little bit accountable. So well, I think part of the reason why you're able to, I guess, get away with it is because you are, I mean, you have the results to back it up. You have had two 200k plus NFL days in the last three months. You won 150k at the World Cup. So I yeah. guess my question, and I think that's why, like, you know, you can talk shit on Twitter to people because you actually have a proven track record of playing, of having a lot of success in DFS. And to be honest with you, most of the people that are selling DFS information don't. Right. And so it's a little bit different if you were coming at people and you didn't have that proven track record yourself. So I guess I kind of wanted to ask you from like a playing standpoint yourself, like when and why did you get into playing DFS? How did that kind of start for you? Yeah, honestly, I, I don't I don't clearly remember kind of the origin of it. Um I don't know if I have like medium term amnesia or whatever, but um, whenever it kind of started, whenever DraftKings and FanDuel kind of first started up, um, you know, I, I've always been a I've always been a sports fan, a sports guy, and interested in interested in gambling. So I mean, pretty once daily fantasy sports came up, I mean, I would always play season long fantasy basketball leagues and baseball leagues and football leagues. Um, I still do a little bit of season long fantasy football like some home leagues and things like that. But um, it was sort of just a natural, like, okay, I love sports. I love to gamble and I can now do it every day on multiple sports. This seems like a great idea. I've, I've been playing NHL cash games for a really long time. Yeah. Um, what was the first, like, what was your entry point? Yeah, what was the first sport yeah. that you played? So I've, I've played, I, I would say probably like baseball and football are probably the first couple okay. that I just was kind of messing around in. Um, but the first kind of the stuff I've been doing really seriously is the NHL cash game stuff. Okay. Um, and then just sort of gradual. I really haven't ever seriously played NBA. It's just a different, like it's just too much with the, I don't know how Jesse be, does uh, it because no. I, I'd seriously, it's like what I, I, these guys like, well, Jesse's in his mom's, he's in his mom's basement. He's got a lot of time <laughs> on his hands. He's, He's just 
I don't know. He, he just he he lives there. He just sits on his computer. He complains about chalk doing well. Like chalk for him is like any player above like six percent. It's a fucking. He's. he's a I, I have a hard time telling between you two. Do you guys like actually hate each other or secretly? No, love no. Each other? Well, I mean, he might, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I I I get a lot of entertainment. I think he's a similar. I mean, I don't know him personally. I'm in his stupid Discord, but. Um, as as you are, me too. But, yeah, he really wanted but, me to join that. <laughs> but he, you know, I, I think a lot of what he's doing is similar to what I'm doing in terms of like the Twitter persona thing. I don't, you know, right? Unless he really is a complete psycho and and <laughs> tilts, you know, seven percent players doing well, and maybe that's the case. But mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so I, I I really haven't done any NBA stuff. I mean, I've I've dabbled on like slower nights. I've started to play a little bit, but yeah um it's just so it's the difference with nba compared to the other sports that i that i do play a lot which would be nhl some nfl golf um and golf is it's much 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 more science than art like there's really it's just the projections are the projections you know per minute basis like if you don't have good projections that you're working from you're you're dead and then also the late the late news shit like yeah that's the thing if there's it's just every if there's games from 7 to 10 30 you have to be at your computer for you know five minutes before every single lock time it's it's just a little much um so nba i'm not i'm not a huge fan of the nba stuff i've been playing it a little bit mlb i've played i'll probably get a little bit more into it but really my focuses have been nhl for sure number one which kind of sucks because it's a niche sport which Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. I mean, there's it's a good thing because there's not a ton of good information out there about it, but it's a bad thing because the prize pools and the is it the NHL, are a little bit correct limited. me if I'm wrong, NHL you've had the most success in, no? Yeah, yeah. And I've been doing there. that for I've been doing that for for you know, whatever it is, eight, nine, ten years now, however long this has been going on. And and really the last I would say until like the last year or so I've been mostly playing cash games instead of like GPPs or tournaments um, in, in every sport. And then I just have, I've been sort of leaning into the GPP stuff a little bit more um, across the board. I I think, uh, you know, NFL cash is, it's a little exhausting. I mean, even if you have really good information, Every week is like a two v two. Either you fucking get swept off the map or you do okay. It's just a little tiresome. Um, and are you talking PGA, by PGA the way? Cash. Are you talking um, like show for NFL? Are you talking like showdown or or, yeah. or week long? So I do both. G- I, so I don't play enough NFL cash anymore. I played it last year. Did not play it this year and was much happier as a result. Um, yeah. But I've played, I do like Showdown. I do play the week-long stuff too. And then in terms of like, I, you know, I was playing PGA Cash, which those those words don't even make sense next to each other for me. I, I, I kind of really have a pretty strong opinion that with all the variants in golf, that if you just let someone or you set up a program or whatever, or you have a little nine-year-old kid pick six golfers and they have to you know use the salary cap 
and you played against them every slate for the entire season with, you know, you let the best cash player, quote unquote, play against that team every every week. I would say the 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 best cash player would probably win like fifty five percent. Why do you think I, that I, is? Because that, is that is that golf specific? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you did that, like for example, if you did that in NBA, it would probably be like a hundred percent win rate for the sharp guy. Do you um, think that's just because of the variance in golf? Like what? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. What, and I, what leads to that? I do. I think it's. I think it's just that there's a ton. There's just so much variance in golf. We're like, well, we have the Honda Classic this week, right? So, mm-hmm. and we, we, you and I decided we're probably not going to talk a lot about the Honda Classic, but. To use this as an example, like last year, I was looking back at last year and I was remembering that Sungjae was similar to this week. He was the most expensive golfer. Mm-hmm. He was coming in here off a T8 at the Honda and a win at the Honda. And he had pretty good form coming in, you know, great course fit on Bermuda, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and he was like, you know, he was like 40% owned and. He was the lock play. I, would, I think I might have even locked him in GPPs. Like I think I played I, him. Yeah, in I, I specifically remember Sung Jay coming in last year. Yeah, and like, and he missed the cut by two strokes. And so, if you compare that across, like, barring injury, like if you like Christian McCaffrey is never gonna just get abs. He's never gonna get crushed by like a forty five hundred running back on a given week or right. you know, Luka Doncic is not going to get crushed by some random shooting guard on the maps or the, or any team. Um, you can go, you know, Connor McDavid is, is going to do something even though the NFL, even though the NHL is a little bit more event based with like goals and assists and things like that. But the amount of times that the chalk or not even chalk, the a, the chalk, but B the expensive guys bust, um, it's it's just more much much more unpredictable, and that kind of is why I think PGA GPPs are so much fun because yeah. you can just same token you can kind of give give that nine year old kid a list of guys. Okay, you know, come close to filling up the salary cap, but don't play these, you know, eight guys that are going to be twenty percent owned or more, whatever it is, and like they'll have a chance to win a GPP. Because if you just kind of avoid the chalk or you're smart about it, you can run into something. And it's it's a little bit more like, okay, it's like more like a lottery and a little bit less skill-based. But all this shit is a lottery and less skill-based. <laughs> like, <laughs> to give you an example of of how, how dumb you have to be to win sometimes, the World Cup GPP that you brought up. Um, it was, I think it was like a four-game slate on one of the, one of the pool play days. And around like, so I was, I was MMEing. So I had 150 lineups in, I forget. It was like the $20 tournament. And then I had a bunch of lineups in, I think it was like the $180 tournament. So I like, I cannot bigger. believe that many people were even playing world cup DFS. Yeah. The prizes were really good, mostly because it was during the day. So, you know, it was like two weeks straight of pretty good prize pools for soccer. I mean, soccer on a weekly basis has some pretty shitty prize pulls too, but for the world cup, it was great. And so I was busy. I made my, made my lineups and the slate started at 10 AM. I had a, I just had a random placeholder in for all, 
you know, whatever, 180 lineups, 180 entries or whatever it was. Around like 9.55, five minutes before the slate, I went to open uh, went to open Excel. So I use a Mac and went to open Excel and the fucking icon just keeps on bouncing and bouncing and bouncing and bouncing. Mm-hmm. And so, so right now I have, you know, probably know, like 10K worth of action with one placeholder lineup. So I'm like, now I'm starting to sweat. I'm like, all right, how can I like try to kill the app? Try to open like fucking number the numbers app. I'm opening Google Drive. I'm like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do. Well, this. you're blocked I'm, by DK Assist anyway, so you don't. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm like, little known fact, I am like really as far as like the relatively successful DFS players, I am in the one percentile of tech ability, Excel stuff, all that. Sh- like I'm, I'm 37 years old, and I'm like a a huge boomer when it comes to like tech stuff like i i have no idea what's going like these guys are pulling data scraping shit running scripts i'm like i don't i don't know what any of that means so 956 957 the stupid thing's still bouncing so i'm like i so long story short 10 a 10 a.m hits and the game one game locks and or two games lock actually and I have in all my lineups, I have a defender from um, from Belgium mm-hmm. and a the goalkeeper from Belgium and no other players locked. So basically there was two games started at 10 o'clock, two games started at two o'clock it was the whole slate, four games. So now I have 180 lineups. All of them have this Belgian defender and the Belgian goalkeeper. Long story short, I'm able to finally like get Excel up and running, run the run lineups again with only guys from the late games, plus these this one defender and this goalie. And the defender was pretty good. The goalkeeper gets a shutout, a clean sheet, gets a shutout. So I have now I have 180 lineups of like this actually turned out really well because I have like the nuts because there was no no offense in the first couple games. So now I'm just in the driver's seat, uploaded a bunch of lineups where had a lot of offense from the second games, ended up running really well. And <laughs> um, won, I think I won the the higher buying one and came in like third or fourth in the in the bigger field one. Yeah, it was like 150k for being a fucking idiot. So <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 a it's all you know, it's a lot of luck. It's a lot of running good at the right time. You mess up your CSV and you win, you know, six figures. So, yeah, it's, sometimes it works out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I want to ask you a few more golf-specific DFS questions, but before we get into golf, like what would you say is your favorite slash, like if you were advising somebody on what sport to play DFS, what do you think, what do you think the best one is? Or what do you think the one with the biggest edges? Or what do you think the easiest one is? Like if you were advising somebody to get into DFS, because you are one of the people, I don't know too many people that play as many sports as you. So I feel like you have a pretty good perspective on like the entire DFS, I guess, ecosystem as a whole. Yeah. So I, I think um, it would, it, I would ask that person a couple of questions. Like, what are you trying to get out of this? How much money are you looking to put? Because, you know, if, if you're looking to just, you know, spend 15, 20 bucks a night, there's a certain answer. Um, because like, for example, on DK, um, once you hit a certain threshold of buy-ins, you can't enter uh, tournaments that are $4 or below. Low buy-ins, right? 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 Yeah, they, they games, limit right? you, yeah. So someone that's just getting into it could have a really good time just grinding out $1 to $4 games for a long time um, until they hit that threshold. Like somebody like that, I would say, hey, let's play some cash games in probably like NFL or um, really the answer is like any niche sport is probably going to be the highest EV if you know what you're doing. So like, for example, you know, I think hockey, the reason part of the reason I play a lot of NHL and I play cash games in NHL is I don't think that there's a lot of good information out there and i don't think that there's a lot of good projections out there because like for example i you know i'm i've been a basketball fan forever but like on some slow nights i've i've played nba this year and i mm-hmm. like i said i've i i subscribe over at established run to all their sports but like their nba package and their nba product um with Drew Dinkmeyer and the guys over there is is so good that like I'll watch their 5 p.m. show 
I'll use their projections. And I feel like I'm pretty decently with the playing field there. Like I'll yeah. play some ownership games and stuff, but like, I mean, if you ask me, Hey, can you name 30 NBA players off the top of your head? Like I'll probably get there, but it'd be close. There's not an equivalent to that for NHL. Really? I spent so a lot of time. You would say you're a much so bigger I, hockey fan than basketball fan. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I do. I really like basketball, but the the money for me has been in hockey, so I spend a lot more time and energy on hockey. Um, right. So I, you know, and I'm using hockey as an example, but you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that, like, I don't know, like esports. I don't, I don't play esports DFS, but like that's pretty niche. And I just imagine if you have an idea of what you're doing, you can probably do pretty well. Um, anything like that. Like I've talked to some sharp sports bet guys and they've been like, somebody was telling me about a guy who was printing at WNBA because like there's not as much time or resources spent on those lines by the books. Well, last so time I saw, last time I saw you, you're trying to get me to bet NASCAR with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, um, that's, that's a good example. The, <laughs> They well, I mean, it, it just is what it is. Their money goes in there, and that's a, sports betting is different than DFS. But, um, you know, and I know that you've had some pretty good success beating uh, NFL sides or totals. But it's been luck. It's, it's hard, been though. a lucky two year run. That yeah, market gets, and that's why I didn't bet the playoffs. And people are like, "Why did you stop? Why did you stop putting out plays for the playoffs?" It's like, dude, because these are the most. These are the toughest lines that you see all season like yeah, i don't and, i don't find i don't see any edge in these lines like these lines like, are I'll fucking give, perfect i'll give you an example for nascar last year so there's different like teams like ford toyota chevy and one book which shall remain nameless like had the odds completely backwards so like forget if it was ford or chevy ford was like supposed to be the favorite and like be like you know minus 150 and they flipped it and Ford was like plus 450. So you'll see some dumb shit from these books on these niche sports where they have just one dude at a desk setting these lines half the time. And you know you can kind of hit them, hit them where it hurts occasionally. Whereas with NFL, that's obviously just never going to happen because there's billions and billions of dollars bet on it each week. Right. Getting a little bit more golf specific. What does a general week look like for you? Like in terms of content do you consume a lot of content do you not consume a lot of content because i kind of go through phases with golf where it's like i actually don't like golf content like i i i spend so much of my fucking week having to put out golf content myself that like when i go for a walk or go for a drive like i'm like to be honest with you i kind of just want to listen to like a football podcast right now or a podcast on movies or politics or something like that. Like I just, I I'm so burnt out on all of the responsive weekly responsibilities that I have to do for golf that I don't find myself drawn to a lot of golf content. And I, I don't want my friends to think that I don't listen to their shows. I, I do. And I try and support my friends as much as I can. But the trouble that I run into with golf content is like, I don't really love it because, well, 
there's certain things that I get triggered about based on the way that people break down courses. But again, it's just like kind of information overload for me because I have to spend so much of my time every single week focusing in on golf anyway, that it like when I listen to a golf podcast, it's like, I don't really get any escape from it, but it's kind of a tough line because you kind of have to listen to content or just at least like be on Twitter a little bit to know what's kind of where people, what direction people are going in from a DFS strategy. So like, how do you balance the amount of content you consume? Cause like part of me is like, man, I kind of need to listen to some of this stuff to figure out who not to be on. But on the other side of it, it's like, well, you know, it's like there are a bunch of people that probably went at this that aren't even on Twitter at all and don't even know who I am or know who Pat Mayo is or know who Rick Gaiman is. Or So how do you kind of bet what's your typically week look like in terms of like the content you consume? Yeah, so this is going to sound um, like a setup, but the first thing I do is I either either read your article, your course breakdown, or I listen to your podcast, or I usually one or the other because they're pretty similar. So if I have the time to listen to the podcast, I'll listen to the podcast. If not, I'll just kind of get through the the written article. So that kind of just sets me up with a general overview. And you know, we've been doing this long enough where like. All right, PJ National, like there's a lot of water, you need to get around the green. Kind of no, but it's always yeah. good to to kind of get get back to it. Um I do read um PGA touts stuff every week. Mm-hmm. It's like initial whatever it is, initial breakdown. And then I kind of look at some stuff on my own. Like I'll look at some data golf stuff. Um I used to build a model on fantasy national. I've kind of gotten away from that. Um, I feel like I was like double counting some stuff or like, not, I just didn't feel like it was the best use of my time to do all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, guys were, guys were popping and I'm putting too much emphasis on certain shit. And like, I was just getting they too don't, deep they into don't the have, weeds. They don't have the stats for the majors or the European right. tour. So it, it's like, I don't understand how you run an accurate model. Like, for that example, was another, that was another bounce pass to you, but <laughs> yeah, well, it's just like, dude, and I on like, I love all the like, I I'm friends with Pat, I'm friends with like yeah. a bunch of the guys that promote their stuff, but like, I'll just be completely honest here, like, I don't like, I'll give you an example this week. Minwoo Lee is ninety five hundred dollars and twenty five to one. If you pull up his his page on Fantasy National, the last thing you see is the fucking Open Championship. He's played 20 times since then. So I don't understand how you run an accurate model through that website. He's played fucking 20 times since the open championship. Right. Yeah. And, and that that's part of it too. And, and the other part with the, the whole modeling thing is, you know, I go back to the, you know, art versus science thing with the PGA GPPs. And it's like, do I really, so I really, ca- I just kind of want a broad picture of the guys that I kind of like and the guys that I really like and the guys that I definitely don't like. And then let's look at ownership. And in terms of ownership, there's a couple things that I do. I do listen to um, Pat and Tambo, their like Wednesday morning show or whatever mm-hmm. it is, like the last show they do. 
Um, and that's a good one. Pretty, that's a good yeah. one to listen to because I do feel like a lot of people listen to that, and I think that that I think that people really go off of that information. Yeah, and so I, I and it's an entertaining show. I mean, especially what they're doing now, where they're kind of like building lineups the whole time, where they're like, okay, if we you know put in Morikawa, that gets us Hatton instead, and kind of it does make you think a little bit about the different constructions. But I do like it for knowing. Okay, you know, Pat mentioned Adrian Laurent 50 fucking times, so he's going to be probably owned more than he should be, for example. Correct. Whatever. And that is um, why it isn't. They, I mean, you just hit on why it's important to listen to content in the first place is because people still like people still are just going to play like there's people out there that are just going to play the guys that Mayo mentions. Yeah. And that's fine. And that, you know, sometimes he fucking nails it. Sometimes he's wrong. Like, like we all are. But it's just I, for me, it's like, OK, I might like a guy that he mentions, but I don't I certainly don't like him at 17 percent or something like that. In terms of the other content stuff, I think that Ben Rasa at Stochastic, he's on with Mayo sometimes. But I think Ben, I consider Ben one of the sharper guys just in the DFS space in general. And I, I just kind of like the way he. I like his temperament. I like the way he, I just like enjoying listening to him. And I think he's very sharp and he's successful too, um, which helps. And then finally, um, like I said, I do, I do subscribe at ETR for NFL, NBA, and then also golf. And so, you know, I know there's been a, there's been a big, a big thing in the Twitter sphere um, about Tiger Woods' projection this past week from Rufus Peabody who runs the whose num whose numbers generate the ETR projections and can you so wait can you go into that uh, cuz I'll, I'll yeah. be totally honest I am completely like I and I I I feel bad now I cuz I didn't mean to like I didn't mean to kill Fantasy National or anything like that cuz I really like no seriously I really like Tambo and I know that he's part of like the yeah. run pure thing too that that you are kind of out on I have I am like so out of the run pure ecosystem. I like don't know any of those guys. I but but I I do like really like Tambo and I like I really like Kenny too. And I, I like the show that that they do together. So I don't I don't mean to kill fantasy national at all. Obviously, I have like a bias with with the work that I do with Rick, but like I'm very familiar with Fantasy National. Like I'll totally be honest. Like I I used fan. I still use parts of Fantasy National because we haven't gotten like some of the fullest updates that I want on Rick Run Good. And I was very familiar with their site, and it was kind of how I started building models myself. The Establish the Run ecosystem, I am just like a total outsider on there. I just don't yeah. like. I don't understand why they're so expensive, but it seems like they have like a pretty committed community that pay the price and are like pretty happy with the service. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I am just a subscriber. So I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not shilling for ETR. I'm just kind of same way. I would tell you that something sucks. I have no problem telling you when I think I get value from something. So I, the NFL product at ETR for me is like far and away the best NFL product for DFS. And part of what makes it great is the projections are really good. 
the, I find their their written content and their live shows kind of giving a little bit more context to the projections really helpful. And for me, those guys, so it's like Adam Levitan and Drew Dinkmeyer and um, Andrew Wiggins, they play a shit ton of DFS. They, you know, they're they're putting Ford F-150s on the line every week in NHL, in NFL cash with the projections that we're paying for. So like for me, that holds a lot of water. And so I was with them for NFL when I dabble in the NBA, like I'll buy like a weekly pass or whatever. And same deal. Like Dink is great. Gary Hartman over there is great. And then for golf, you know, I, it's been a good experience with NFL. It's been a good experience with NBA. And to me, you know, they brought in Rufus Peabody who, you know, I, people can like Google Rufus. I'm not going to give his bio, but basically he's widely accepted to be like the, the most successful golf better in the world. And that's Whether essentially that's the product, right? Like the product so, is so, Rufus. Well, that's what he, you're paying for, right? You're paying, right. So you're paying for, you know, he runs like however many thousands and millions of Sims based on his, his numbers and stuff. And it spits out, you know, a projection for DraftKings make made cut, miscut odds. But really what we're, what we're looking for is the, the, the made uh, the the DK projection. And so, yeah, like that's a number on a page, but for me, really the, one of the more valuable people at ETR a guy named Cody main, who he's the director of niche content, which like, so he does like all their showdown stuff. He does golf. And like, like I said before, I kind of like the niche stuff. So Cody's been great with showdown stuff and like trying to kind of think about, think about game theory a little bit differently. And he's really, really good with, which to me, this is the big thing. He's really, really good with ownership projections and kind of for taking golf. for God, for, for everything. For everything. For, well, yeah. so for, for like showdown, for, so he does like their showdown stuff. So really good for showdown, but his golf ownership projections are really good. Um, and so for me, that's, okay, like what, so your initial question was, what's my process like? And so like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take in your stuff. I'll take in PJ Tout stuff. I'll listen to Ben at Stochastic if I have the time. I'll listen to Pat and, Mayo, uh, Pat and Tambo if I have the time. But then when it comes time to like, okay, how do I actually set, like, that's all well and good, but what, how do I set lineups? Yeah. I do use the, I use the, the, the ETR projections as a baseline. And then I'll, adjust them based on my own thoughts too. Like there are some times where, you know, I'm like this guy's grading out horribly for them, but everything else I'm looking at based on course fit, recent form, whatever, like, like with any other sport, like you, if you look at a projection, it doesn't seem to make sense, like change it, you know, it's your money that, that you're putting in there. So like, for example, a lot of NHL projections, they're weighing like stuff from like last year where a role might be different or the guy might be shooting more this year. So you always just have to constantly just look at projections and say, okay, does this make sense? So this week, Tiger's projection for Rufus at ETR, he was projected for the least DraftKings points of any player in the field last mm -hmm. week, like less than fucking Max McGreevy and all these guys. <laughs> they're like dead last. Not price adjusted, just dead last. 
And so, you know, now that's a big thing because he made the cut and he played well and everyone's all pissed off and whatever. But he did say on one of the shows, he's like, there's, it's hard to model somebody that hasn't played golf in eight months or whatever it is. Like, yeah. And who the hell knows with Tiger Woods? Like, so that was kind of a lesson for me where I was like, okay, just, you know, in my mind, is Tiger Woods the worst golfer in the field? Like, obviously not the worst golfer in the field. So maybe I should have made a little bit more of an effort to, you know, hit the thumbs up in the optimizer deal. So, but generally speaking, they're pretty good baseline. I think um, Cody's great with the ownership and he really cares about what he's doing. And the other, there's a, there's another good article that's written there every week um, by a guy named Jeremy Kane, who is a good dude. Um, smart guy. He writes this GPP leverage article and it's, supposed to be published by i think it's like tuesday at 9 p.m and it just never is it's always <laughs> fucking late and we give him shit all the time and the last three weeks have just been spent like making memes about what a scumbag he is for bringing the article in late but good dude knows his what, stuff, so, so what kind of what kind of article is it is it like a yeah so article? Is it a... mm, kind of like he'll it, it's it's yeah it's it's Something where, you know, he's pointing out, okay, he, it, it's something different every week. Like it might be, okay, let, let's look at where, you know, uh, roster construction where, okay, our guys, hey, it looks like guys are going to be using three 9K guys this week or two 10K guys. And how can we get a little different? Or does that make sense? Here are some low owned guys that I like that maybe the projections won't like as much that I like more than the field would like. And to be completely honest with you, now more than ever, that's the stuff that I'm more interested in consuming. And again, I'm talking a lot about ETR here and this is not a well, no, but spot, I but, asked, no, I asked like, for you example, about it because I'm, I'm yeah. curious because like, again, like, like I said, like I, I know I'm familiar with fantasy national because like, I know Bayo and I know, I know Tambo and I know Kenny. And I think what's tour junkies is fantasy yeah. national too. So like, they have this outward facing, like they promote their product. So people, and like we do too at Rick run good. I mean, like I'm kind of the only guy at Rick run good, but like I do a lot of shows and I start off every single podcast, like with this podcast is presented to you by, by rickrungood.com And like, just sure. like the fantasy national guys do the exact same thing. And that's why I'm curious about, ETR's like business model. And I'm curious about because they don't really have any outward facing Twitter presences the way that Rick has me and himself, and the way that Fantasy National has Pat and Tambo and Kenny and Tour Junkies. And ETR kind of takes this other approach where they they don't really do, I don't I mean, do they even have a free show? I don't think that so I don't think they do for golf. Um see that's fascinating to me. And that's yeah, why so and I, that's why I'm I wanted to ask a subscriber because yeah. that's that's really interesting to me. And listen, like I am never going to pay 90 bucks a month for anything golf related. I like am I am too dependent on my own work. I mean, I spend so much fucking time diving into this stuff weekly that like I rely if I have a biggest flaw, it's being overly reliant on my information, but it's a really, it's really interesting to me how they fit 
in the golf in the golf landscape right now because I feel like the people that use it, like yourself, seem to be pretty happy with the product, but they don't. And I guess maybe they don't need to because they're so expensive, but they don't yeah. seem to, they seem to take a different approach than like what Fantasy National does and what we do at, at Rick Run Good. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I get a lot of value out of just having base projections that I can then adjust that I know are not, you know, they're not like DFS, like they're Rufus's numbers, right? So like, he's betting God knows how much based on these numbers every week. So as far as projections go, like, again, back to the point, he's using these numbers to wager money. I feel pretty confident that it's a good baseline for me, as opposed to some, just some random guy putting projections out there. I find a ton of value in having accurate ownership projections, which I know I'm getting there. And then, you know, really now, uh, you know, uh, having, getting to know other sharp people is a huge deal for me too. Mm -hmm. And, and kind of making good friends that way. And, and I've met some pretty sharp guys in that golf discord that, that I wouldn't have met otherwise that are, that are smart. And, and really it's just about how do I, how do I continue to, to adapt my thinking and keep changing and understanding a little bit more about the game that we're playing? Because I, I feel like I've evolved as a, as a DFS player, a lot over the last year and a lot of it is listening to smarter people than me and how they think about tournaments and ownership and leverage and you know roster construction and getting different and uniqueness and all the stuff that you know two three years ago i was kind of clicking buttons and hoping for the best and now i feel like i'm kind of a little bit more well equipped and it's really just surrounding myself with smarter people whatever in whatever way I can. And so that's, I think now in just this landscape, you know, we, we joked about Jesse's discord and stuff. And I, you know, I think getting better by talking to smarter people is it's always been a good thing, no matter what we're talking about, but especially for DFS, I think. Yeah, I should probably, I, again, like I'm so burnt out on all the stuff that I have to put out <laughs> that I just like, again, like I, I like talking to my friends about golf, but like, I've never been a discord guy. And I think, yeah, that well, it's, it's honestly, Andy, it's, it's, you know, the pizza, the, the guy who runs a pizza shop is not having pizza for dinner every day either. So like, right. You, you put out a shit ton of content. You're talking about it. You're doing guest spots. You're writing like, I, you know, if I honestly, if I were you, I would probably consume a lot less content too. But for me, it's the other direction. It's like, okay, I'm going to pick out my two or three favorite things to listen to that are going to help. Honestly, it's A, it's entertainment, but B, it's like, how am I going to fucking make money doing? Like, right. is this hour long podcast or 30 minute podcast? I'm going to 2x it. Is this going to help me make money this week? And so then I'll spend time doing it. Right. And so. that could be, by the way, in the like, even if you don't think that a show has smart people on it, if it's it can still be valuable to you if a lot of people listen to it, because you yeah. could then be finding out who not to play. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And 
I think, you know, people, people have different processes. Some people don't listen to any content. Some really good players don't listen to any content. It's just strictly a numbers game. It's their spreadsheets and their models and they half of them don't even watch golf or they don't play. They don't can't pronounce a golfer's name or yeah, like, you know, and which is, again, we're, we're not in this to, you know, a lot of people are in this to make money. We're all doing it to make money. Nobody's doing it to have a good time and lose. Um, there's plenty of people that, Hey, you're throwing your 15 bucks out there and you don't care if they win or lose, but everybody would rather win. Um, so anybody that's putting serious money behind it, we're all trying to beat each other. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that's why, that's why DFS is very interesting because not trying to beat the mysterious house like you are in sports betting, trying to beat the idiot that's in the contest that you are. So you can be less of an idiot. Do you have any, do you have any advice for anyone else? Cause I think what, a one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on again is because like this is a guy with a proven track record of success playing PGA DFS. And a lot of the questions that I get on a weekly basis are process related are like, well, a lot of the questions that I get, which I've said many times are my least favorite questions are who like, like this guy or this guy, like just like, like asking me to make the lineup for them. But is there any advice that you would give to somebody in terms of like process oriented uh, for, for golf DFS specifically? Yeah. I, I mean, I honestly think the biggest thing is kind of getting, getting comfortable being a little bit uncomfortable with some guys that you put in your lineup. Yes. Um, it's a good one. You know, it's hard to part of. So one of the things that I've done a lot, a lot more in a lot of different sports in the last year or two is using, um, using optimizers and I've used a bunch of different ones to me. The best one by like a fucking country mile is called the solver. Um, they have every sport now, I think, except NHL. So I still have to use shitty ass fantasy cruncher for NHL, but Every other sport um, where I'm trying to make more than a handful of lineups using the solver. And the reason I bring that up is a lot of times I'll get some lineups with the solver or any optimizer that you're using that I know for damn sure I would not have clicked in if I were just playing five or 10 lineups and I was making them by hand. And those are some of the lineups that end up going the distance because, you know, hey, you didn't want to click in that ugly 1%. Lee Hodges or something like that. You know, you had a great call on him last week, but kind of the uncomfortable stuff. One thing I've learned mostly from NFL showdown stuff, like NFL showdown, there's so much ownership and so much chalk and so much, just there's so few players that are, that are available on a slate that it forces you to think about how can I be different and not have my lineup duped like 740 times. Right. And so there's a couple of different ways you can go about it. But one of the one of the big ways is, you know, making sure that each lineup has however many players under a certain amount uh, under a certain projected ownership. So like that'll be different for NFL versus NBA versus NHL versus PGA. But so like for PGA, for example, very slate dependent, but something I'm doing now when I run in optimizers is 
you know, I'll make sure that I have, you know, I'll tell it like at least one player under X percentage, at least two players under X percentage. So it forces my lineup to not be, you know, three 20% guys and three 16% guys, because again, I'm not a, I'm not the person to explain the math on this, but there are many, many less combinations that you're fighting against with, you know, even if you just have one or two lower owned guys, you can play chalk, like you can play a 40% owned John Rom mm-hmm. and a 30% owned Patrick Cantley in the same lineup, but you probably want, you know, a 4% guy and a 9% guy in there because mm-hmm. then you're not fighting against all the Rom, Cantley, Corey Connors, Keegan Bradley, like the clusters of stuff. Right. And then the other thing is as you go up stakes, that stuff clusters even more because a lot of those guys are using similar projections that you're using or that people are using. So for example, two weeks ago at Phoenix, Phoenix was two weeks ago, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keith Mitchell was popping in like everyone's optimizers as a great value. Everyone's projection showed Keith Mitchell as a great value. Mm-hmm. And he ended up being, I don't know, like 20, 20% maybe in like the $20 big lottery tournament. And in the 555 tournament, he was like 50%, which like yeah, 20% Keith Mitchell is very different than a 50% Keith yeah. Mitchell. Kobe um, shows me that shit all the time yeah. because he so plays like, high stakes where it's just like any anybody that's popular can get super out of control in the high stakes. And I, and I don't do And I really don't have not done a good enough job of differentiating between like making I haven't done a good enough job myself of of watching out for that. And I get it's so easy to click that name. It's like, man, he's great driver of the ball. He's in good form. Like you talk yourself into it, and then it's like, okay, well, yeah, me and fucking four hundred out of the eight hundred people in this tournament have Keith Mitchell now. Which back to our point about Sungjae earlier, like if I didn't want like if forty percent Sungjae busted at PJ National last year, I sure should don't want a fifty percent Keith Mitchell in the most loaded field of a fucking of the entire season. So, yeah, I, I would sum that up as like, hey, just be be thoughtful about what you're doing and and get uncomfortable with um with a, a spot or two. And you don't have yeah. to go crazy. It doesn't have to doesn't have to be sticks off the board, guys, because then you're sacrificing too much. Yeah. Um, but play the guys you want and then get uncomfortable in a spot or two is the way I would say it. Last question. This is my last question uh, that I had for a while too before we got out of there. But as it stands on February 20th, who's your who's your Masters pick? You One know, guy. I see, yeah. I see a lot of people this week. So I, I slight tangent. I know a lot of people have better numbers on this, but after Friday, I bet max homa to win the u.s open it seems like to it seems like everybody thinks max homa is going to win the grand slam now <laughs> yeah i'm not so i and i saw people saying oh it's you know not too late to bet max homa for the i don't know like, a person that doesn't sucks. have max homa he, at, at all of the majors at this point right so like he he he's been great and winning in good field like contending in great fields but like i'm not giving him augusta yet LACC is a good fit. Like I'm not arguing with if you bet Max Homa at 50 to one to win at LACC, like that is a good bet in my opinion. And I think he could be fine at Oak Hill too. I have no 
qualms with him at Oak Hill either. He's hasn't yeah. really done shit in the open. So I'd like to see a little bit more there, but like, yeah, I mean, I have no right, so, problems with him. At, I just like, I don't, it just seems like everybody did it. Yeah. So I, I would say the master, oh man, this is tough. I would love for it to be Rory, but I, I don't, Seems, I think Rory's going to be a kill. Yeah. Well, now, yeah. you know, what's interesting is like my pick was Rom in December yeah. and now that one's gotten out of control. Now it's like well, everybody's I, picking Rom and I like it less, even though he's yeah. playing amazing. And honestly, again, you know, like hard to, hard to say Scotty Scheffler is not going to be in the mix again. Right. It seems like the, these guys at the top are really seeming to kind of separate themselves a little bit from a really good second tier. Right. Um, but I, I've always been a stalker for this guy since day one. And I will say that Jordan speed is going to put the green jacket back on. I just can't resist it. Yeah. His, 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 um, he's, he's really in his head right now with the putter. And I saw it first when I was, when I was at Riviera, cause I was following his group for a little bit. I think he was playing with Xander. So I was, I was checking him out a little bit. It's completely mental because like his stroke on longer putts is fine. Like he's not a bad lag putter, but inside like seven and a half feet, there's something fucking going on in his head right now that he just needs to figure out. Yeah. But he, he's a guy that maybe he'll, uh, the comforts of Augusta will It'd snap will it out of that him. for him. Who knows? Yeah. But it could be it could be any of you could tell me twenty guys and Xander Cam Smith I don't know it could be anybody. Yeah. Um, looking forward to it, but I'll go with Spieth. Saul Goodman, is there anything you want to plug your Twitter account? No, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely no plugs, no plugs whatsoever. Do not. Follow I mean, me we on gave a we gave a lot of like. I'm pretty. I try and play it pretty honestly. I think part of the reason why people like me is because I'm almost honest to a fault. Like I will, I will say the things that I like and that I don't like. We gave a lot of free ads to places. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no plugs, no plugs for me. I will. I, the only thing I will, I will say is I will give myself a shout out for tomorrow. There's the, the biggest hockey tournament in history on DK. Um, oh, shit. 150, 150 grand to first. Um, so I will give myself a shout out in advance for winning that tournament. That's my only plug. So when is, when is that? It's like the slate tomorrow, this, tomorrow night, tomorrow, slate? 7, 7 PM. It's going to be a fucking circus like it always is, but you know, we got, is, uh, is Wiley playing fifth, in it? I'm sure he is. I'm sure he'll be in there. Uh, slept circling the drain will be in there. I have, I've been playing satellites to it for the whole year and I have like 50 something whatever the max is so we're gonna we're gonna take it down tomorrow um so i'm calling my shot that's my plug don't follow me on twitter don't, don't bother me <laughs> yeah <laughs> stay away from my trash can and uh but i'll shout out myself tomorrow Saul goodman it was good to see you my friend we'll do it again soon all right buddy see ya all right, that is it for the podcast. Special thanks to Saul Goodman. Special thanks to rickrungood.com. You can find me on this podcast feed next week, breaking down the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and we are back to another elevated event. So that should be a fun one. Until then, 
Best of luck with your bets this week, and we will see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack And the ditch and the back roads stop Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.